back to the Trojan Talk podcast. I am Ryan Young. He, as always, is Adam Maya. Adam, how are you? I'm still Adam Maya. Thank you. Yeah, you're right. Oh, you're always Adam Maya. I, I, That's what I'm saying. For a long time. to see you bring to life is, uh, is impressive. We have a great podcast. We're going to talk recruiting today. We're going to go recruiting heavy. But first, we must mention, we must emphasize, this is truly our best promo we've offered in my time on the site. We got a new promo? Yeah. Uh, the, the best promo, not even just a new one, the best one. It gets no better than this. Right now, sign up, trojansports.com, get a free trial through the end of August. That means you get all of July, you get all of fall camp free, all the premium content, everything included. Sign up now, free trial, and then, and then, if you stay beyond the trial, which is kind of the point, that's, that's the whole plan of this thing, <laughs> for monthly subscribers, you get an extra month free, and if you do an annual subscription past the trial, you get another six months free. Rivals is just throwing this amazing deal at you, and it's, it's there for you to catch and take. But that is the current situation. We have a ton of great content coming all month, and obviously fall camp will be very active. So uh, sign up and, and at least you know give it a try. See what we're doing. We're confident that we're bringing the best content on the USC beat, and we want you all to put your eyes on it, see it for yourself, take a look. That's the point of the free trial. This is the best time to sign up, so do it. Trojansports.com, free trial through August. I didn't. Okay, I didn't know the full terms of the deal until right yeah. now when you read them aloud, yeah, and impressive? I don't even know that we should be doing all that. <laughs> but that's that really was- cool. That was my first thought, but you now this, this comes from the higher ups. So, like, this is this is the play. Let's yeah. do it. I know a lot of you out there, long time listener, not a subscriber. That's okay. Sign up right now because you're not paying anything. Just give us a chance. And if you're not really into it, and I doubt it, then you can cancel. But right now, yeah. sign up for free. You nothing it's, to lose. It, 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 it's truly a risk-free proposition. I mean, it's you're going to get the best content on the USC beat for two plus months, and then you can decide what you want to do. Yeah, do it. Anyway, so we are here to talk not just selling subscriptions, but to talk USC recruiting. It's been a very interesting month for the Trojans on that front. Up to nine commits in this class. A wave in the last two weeks. I've gotten five of those nine in the last two weeks. No four stars in that mix. A lot of three eh. stars. A yeah. Star. All right. It's, well, let's let's dive right in. I'm just overall, what's been your reaction to this this uh, this trend in the last two weeks? And we went from kind of a quiet, you know, few months on the recruiting front in terms of commits to this, this wave of action and yet I'm not sure that anyone knows truly what to make of it yeah uh, I don't blame them I'm probably right there with them these were camp commits uh, USC held a number of camps in the month of June uh, particularly a couple elite camps where they invite people to come to them they're a little bit more selective and those are the guys that came out with not only offers, but pledges. Just to put it on the record, we're talking about uh, Joey Wright, three-star tackle from Reno, Nevada. Uh, Andrew Millick, 
three-star tackle from Chandler, Arizona, and then Andres Dewerk from Los Gatos was the most recent one. Because there were so many, and I know that this 2020 signing class won't be that big, relatively speaking, um, right now I would put the number at like 15, and it'll be give or take a couple. It, it could go up to maybe, I think I've said before, 18. Um, I don't think it'd even get up to 20. I, you have to have like a, a wave of transfers, which I realize can happen, but you can't expect that to happen right now. So if we're looking at something in the teens and you have half your class right now, my takeaway is I do not believe that all the guys that just committed will end up in this class. And I'm not going to name names. I, I don't know who will and who will not outside of the obvious. Like I've mentioned before, Bryce Young, unless he were to change his mind, he's not getting pushed out. But I do think that, especially with a few of the linemen, I wouldn't bet on them coming to USC. Well, as I posited on the board, my theory was that, again, because there was almost no momentum with this class, I think they felt the need to get a foundation, a base in place, and then be more selective with the rest of the spots. Because if you look around the country, everyone is, is picking up commitments this month. It, it's kind of that time of the year where kids are making their decisions or ending this process. And as of two weeks ago, USC was was super quiet. I mean, they had, they had four guys in this class, um, including a kicker, and not much had happened in, in months. I mean, Jack Geary, a three-star tight end from Marietta Valley, was the only guy in the last two months to commit before this wave. And I think they, they just felt we need to get some bodies in this class. We need to get some guys locked in. And then we can we can try and really hone in on top targets to fill it out. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, a part of that, I think, is... And I have to recalibrate, but National Signing Day... It's too late by then. I know that USC picked up a big haul this past year because they needed to fill it out and they needed a bunch of defensive backs and that's what they brought in. But more and more, you're seeing that your class is pretty much decided, at least more than 80% of it, by December, which it, you know is two months earlier than, than February. And so June becomes a really pivotal time. That's why you see so many official visits right now. I mean, that, that never happened before where people would come in the summer. I mean, maybe, maybe a couple people, especially from out of state, but you would really uh, target a lot of those kids to come during the season. And now that's kind of becoming too late. A lot of the top guys, they've already, they've already cut down on their, on their final list. And, we could think of a few that USC's not on. I don't think they're getting back on either, unless they had this remarkable year that that won over, you know, a, a wave of recruits. They're out on a lot of kids already for 2020. Yeah. I, again, I, and we talked about some previous podcasts. I, I think that um, a lot of kids these days follow trends and. When a lot of guys start committing, everyone's like, you know what, I want to get my decision out of the way before my season two. And then the whole thing has just kind of shifted to the summer. And, and of course, there'll be some through the fall, but there's a, a major 
uh, push now for guys to get this out of the way before the season starts. And in, in the last two weeks, I mean, not just USC, but nationwide, we're just seeing a ton of top targets coming off the board and, and picking their school. Yeah. I have one other takeaway here. Yeah. We're probably all guilty of getting caught up in recruiting rankings at some point or another. Uh, I often reject them, but I can't, you know, I can't act like I'm, I'm never influenced by them. I work at Rivals. And I'm referring to a lot of these lineman recruits. And like you mentioned, you know, not, not a four star in there, right? A lot of, a lot of threes, yep. even even a two. You really have to trust the evaluation of the staff over the the hard work that's put in by our colleague Adam Gorney and the the other analysts on the Rivals Network. Because at the end of the day, the staff is the one that's bringing guys in for what they're doing. And it might be a projection, or it might be a skill set, and and it can vary. But while a lot of these commits might not be really exciting on paper, that doesn't mean that they won't be good players. We just don't know. Yeah, we no, never know anyway, but we really don't know with them. I understand that uh, you know that that lack of, I guess confidence in in how they're being evaluated or even their offers it's not just the evaluation of the uh, the rivals analysts but the fact that some of these kids don't have too many offers from elsewhere and that's what gets my attention more and that would you know that would definitely raise the yellow flag for me i get it yeah it's not even that you have to respect uh the evaluations but at least understand that the coaching staff is not look at the rivals rankings and go okay this is who we're picking from they, they go out and make their evaluations and, and try and project who, who's going to develop into what and they go from there uh, I'm, I'm sure they're not blind to the rankings or they're cognizant of it but but it's not the worksheet they work off of and you know a guy like Tim Drevkin has been an O-line coach for, for decades now very successful in many spots knows what he's looking for in the linemen and has apparently identified that with a few of the guys who've, who've gotten commits from the last few weeks now interestingly so we, we've been doing our, our scouting report series where we we kind of get uh, for each commit we get the high school coaches you know take in perspective when we get Adam Gorney's take because he's out there scouting these guys too and, and talking to Gorney, he's, he feels that there's a trend in what USC is going for in linemen now, and that they're not looking for the the most physical guys, looking for for lean, quick guys with a lot of bad body weight who are going to be very up tempo in this new offense. And if that's what they're going for. That's maybe not what all the schools are looking for, and then that, that could be why they're they're not getting guys who are you know being recruited by every other major program. They have a very specific need. That's his theory, and we'll see if it pans out, but that's, that's one way to view this in a, in a, uh, through that lens. Yeah, I, I'd be curious to talk to Dreadmill about it. You know, it, it's hard to, you're not going to get an on-the-record conversation about r- recruits, of course, but um, in terms of what he's looking for, it's got to be different than what he's typically been coaching. 
the type of lineman that uh, either he had with obviously the 49ers, but I'm sure. thinking more. I'm thinking yeah. more about Stanford. Stanford and even Michigan. Yeah, Michigan. Even his time at USC, he's been their coach for you know for a year and change. Uh, the O line coach, and it's. I mean, if you look at the. The projected starting five right now for USC on the offensive line. I'm talking left tackle Austin Jackson, and then Elijah Vera Tucker, left guard Brett Nealon, uh, right guard Andrew Voorhees. Right tackle is open, but it's been Jalen McKenzie, and I think Drew Richmond will be right there in training camp. They they have fair to to good athleticism, but those are big guys, really big. I mean, Nealon, you know, not as much at center, but the rest of them, that's a really big group alignment. And, and I wouldn't define them as slow, but, you know, they, they were not recruited for the air raid. And that's what we're all kind of interested to find out is how, how they fit in. I know that they liked what they were doing in spring practice, but how they actually carry out that, you know, the initiatives of that offense remains to be seen. The guys that they're bringing in, again, it's hard to know because they're in a high school body. So some of them, to me, are pretty big. Uh, I wouldn't define them as like a straight athlete. I guess some of them are maybe a little bit lighter. But um, I, I don't even know that it's just not talk right now about like, okay, well, we want these more athletic linemen. Uh, that might just be what's being sold because they're getting what they're getting. I mean, there are a lot of other linemen that I know that they offered, that they pursued, and sure, ultimately yeah. are, are not in on, uh, and yeah. are, they're not going to get. Yeah, let's not uh, miscast it here. It's not like they've been the whole time searching for needles in a haystack. Right. They offered pretty much every every four-star lineman on the West Coast, and then there were a few that they were really hopeful to get, and they just, they just didn't get and, it's a tough sell right now. I mean, let's be honest. Five and seven is an obstacle. Clay Helton's tenuous status is an obstacle. And more than anything, though, with linemen, it's all about proving development. And all these all these four stars they were in on that I talked to, every one of them was being recruited by Oklahoma and Michigan and schools that could point to, hey, we just put four guys in the draft this year. Hey, we this is our recent track record. And while USC sent Shuma Doga to the draft, they, they really don't have the same evidence to, to push forward to guys. And so they, they simply weren't in on most of the four-star and five-star guys. Yeah. Um, just this last week, Jeffrey Percy, a four-star from Jay Sarah, committed to Michigan. You know, this whole time, I've, I've said it on the message board, I've said it on here, they haven't had obvious leads to four-star guys. There wasn't one you point to and go, okay, well, they're probably going to get him eventually. There just isn't any. And so I think that, I don't know if panic's the right word, but I guess reality set in. And you don't want to hold out for long shots and not end up with anything. At some point, they had to take some bodies. So they had to get some guys in this class because even the three-star guys are going to start committing elsewhere. And if you go into the fall with zero O-line commits and you look at the the rivals' O-line rankings and 80% of those guys are committed now, then you're, you're truly picking from scraps at that point. So it, it, it got to a point where we have to 
trust our evaluation. We have to find guys that we think are projectable that can be assets for us and, and take some commits, or we're going to be really scrambling come fall. Yeah. I had a, a coach from another team actually reach out to me um, within the last week and, and tell me uh, it looks like USC is recruiting very conveniently. And, I mean, that's an indictment right there, of course. I think we're all used to them being able to close and being able to get at least a handful of the people that they really want. And I think with all the factors that are in play right now, like you mentioned, the record and the uh, uncertainty regarding the coaching staff beyond 2019... And then with everything being moved up, I think that's really affected them with them not having until February to work with. I think in the past, they could have a rebound year and it looks good they have it. It looks good they ended up, you know, nine and three or even eight and four. I think that they could win over a bunch of kids in uh, December and January. Well, now they don't have that luxury because the majority of them will already be signed by December. I mean, they have to be good right away, is what I'm saying. They have to be good in September. I think that's their only shot of really turning around this recruiting class. No, you're totally right, because the guys, even the guys who are waiting, may not be waiting until December. Yeah, I mean, they can flip people, right? I mean, that's my point, is that no one's locked in until December, and, and therefore, if USC were good right away, and they have to keep it, they can't just have a good September, but if they came out hot, then they could start, you know, bringing, like, luring kids in a little bit, um, and as they go on with the year, they could finish it, finish, finish them off. Because I do think that a lot of kids still want to go to USC, generally speaking, but they might not want to go to this USC. And, and USC really has to show them a different version with how they play on the field this fall. Yeah, I mean, we just talked about it. A, a lot of the top guys uh, don't even hide that fact. They just come out and say it. I want to see how they bounce back first. Yeah. They don't want to go into a program in, in chaos or or in turmoil. All these kids want to play for programs that are going to a develop them and also compete the highest level. And there's there's real doubt about USC right now. I, I, I'm as bullish as anyone about this coming season. I, I think they're definitely going to bounce back. I, the pieces are in place. The coaching changes make sense to me. But for a lot of these kids, they're they're gambling their future on whatever they pick. I had a guy just last week reach out to me and go, well, what's what's the real deal with, with Clay Helton in his future? Like a recruit asking me what's going to happen. <laughs> What'd you tell him? Pretty much what I just said. Uh, you know, certainly the, there was some, some surprise that he was retained, but at this point, I, I think he's probably going to have a time beyond this year. I, I think that with Graham Harrell in place and the talent on that offense, they're going to have a good season. Uh, uh, every time I look at it, looking at the schedule, looking at the the pieces in place, looking at all the factors, I, I just I keep coming back to they're going to have a good season. And so I, I, I do, maybe more than anyone else, project some stability for this program beyond 2019. But it's a very real, real question out there. And if recruits are asking reporters, 
hey, give me the inside scoop. What's going to happen? Yeah. Uh, that just speaks to, to the kind of the, the, the climate of things. I'm curious. Do you go back and forth on that, thinking that that he'll be he'll be at USC beyond a year, or do you are you you know fairly confident in believing that he'll do enough and that he'll be back in 2020? I'm fairly confident. It's not so much that I think he'll do enough. I think that the program is going to going to do enough. But you know, maybe I'm putting way too much stock in a coordinator who is yet to perform at the FBS level and has been in North Texas the last few years. But everything we heard this spring just makes so much sense. And the, the way the guys have responded to this simplistic offense, your podcast with JT Daniels last week, uh, you really get the sense that he's he's incredibly excited about this change of direction and, and, and what he's working with now. Oh, yeah, so much joy emanating from JT. <laughs> same you come back you, you just look at the personnel I mean we talked about this receiving core is going to be one of the tops in the country there's plenty of talent at running back it's I, I fully expect JT is going to excel in this offense as a place to do his strengths and you go back to last season if that offense was just a little bit better consistently it's a different season I mean maybe not a great season but a different season so yeah I, Oh, yeah, you can't you can't really can't totally do that. You, you know, you don't know. I don't see a super daunting schedule. I know the road games, Notre Dame and Washington are tough, but overall, I don't look at that schedule and go, "Oh, they're going to be they have no chance with this." So, if if Clay truly embraces his the CEO role and is, is kind of hands off with the offense, is uh, you know a strong recruiter in the face of the program. I can definitely see this continuing beyond the season. That's maybe not what people want to hear or what they're they're looking for. But if it works, it works. If if, if Graham Harrell changes this offense over and they have a good season, then it's going to remain status quo going forward. I think because I look at the schedule very differently than you, I look sure. at the complexion of you know where they would fall much differently. Uh, and, and, and that's probably the majority opinion. I, again, I, I don't I'm know. Front that, that, that I'm, I'm more bullish than most. And it, it's not, I mean, I, I am in general a last half full optimist kind of guy, but I'm looking at this very objectively. And it's, it's just, I, I see more scenarios and more probable outcomes where they have a great season than the opposite. Wait, great season? Well, I mean, define great. I, I don't want to be, down to something that I didn't agree to. Yeah, I want you to define it because uh, I know how it's defined here. You, like great would be ten and two minimum. Okay, uh, I'm I'm kind of in the in the nine eight eight minimum yeah. nine likely, and then we'll see what happens. So for you, nine and three is likely, eight and four is the minimum that you expect. I would be stunned if they don't win eight games. All right. I'll, I'll, I'm happy to say that right I've... now and be held accountable to this uh, in a few months. And, yeah. And, and if I have to own it, I'll own it, and we'll and we'll run this back. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'll own it too. I'll own it too. I, I'm thinking eight and four would would be an achievement for where they're at. I would not call it great. I mean, I'm not that you did, but no, no, um, I wouldn't call that great. But no. they're. Uh, 
Kenny Q, I... <laughs> well, and, and, and all seasons are made differently. Yeah. If, if they win nine games and the offense averages ten more points a game than it did last year, I'm not saying they will, I'm just saying yeah. throwing that out there, then that's viewed through a different lens than if they happen to win nine games and, and things still look uh, up and down every week and, and there's there's still no identity mm. on that side of the ball. So it's it, it, it's really about style points, too. Yeah, given where they came from last year, uh, I mean, it'd be hard to pull that off to go 9-3 without an identity in offense. But um, I mean, this isn't two years ago when they went 11-3 and three and they didn't really have a strong identity in offense. And that was a letdown. But if they went nine and three, I think everybody would be happy, no matter how they get it. Even if they won ugly, uh, I think it'd be fine. Um, well, let's circle it back to, to recruiting here, because people were upset that their recruiting class ranked nineteenth last year. It was the lowest in the rivals era, and I think they're going to be lucky to come close to that this year, due yeah. to the size of the class and due to where they're at right now. So. That becomes a part of the equation as well. If you know, if they go, if they win eight games, yeah, it's an improvement from last year. But if their recruiting drops to an all-time low, you know, over the last couple of decades, well, it's going to. I, I don't think we need to put an if on it. it sure. Just right now, where they're at and, and who's still on the board. Uh, now you were at the Rivals Five Star Challenge, and right. you got a good glimpse of a handful of prospects that USC is still contending for, and we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But even if you secured four or five of those guys, I don't think they're finishing higher than 19th. No, no. I, I mean, I, I think the 30s are kind of a realistic outcome projection. I mean, let's just go over the math right now. You keep the uh, the scholarship chart on our site, updated at all times and we project them or, or feel that they're around 85 right now right around the limit yeah they have nine seniors and then it's all about you know the natural annual attrition and whoever transfers to illinois <laughs> right. and, uh, and, and we can't you know gauge that right now or guess what that's going to be but like you said i mean 15 it seems reasonable uh and maybe a couple more than that but I yeah mean, that's so if that's where you're at and you have nine commits right now with only two four-star guys in that mix, if all those guys stay in the class, maybe they won't. But if they do, that's you, you kind of already see where things are heading right now. Yeah, they would be really low. Uh, that's why I don't believe that everybody that's committed right now will be coming. And I, I think that they would win over some people uh, of note during the season because I think that they're going to improve but they're going to have by rankings their worst recruiting class that they've ever had uh, and let's just compare to last year again we're acknowledging that last year was a down year in terms of USC recruiting standards but this time last year you at least on the horizon said well they're probably getting Bruce McCoy they're probably getting Kyle Ford. You had those guys that were obvious USC leans that weren't yet committed. They don't have any obvious leans right now, like like none. There's guys they're still in play for. They're hoping they get Bijan Robinson. They're hoping they can convince Justin Flo to stay in California. 
but there's not an obvious five or even four star guy out there that you go, okay, well, it's, it hasn't happened yet, but it's, he's definitely coming to USC. There, there isn't one. You yeah. can't point to that. Well, every every single one is a battle, and most of them are long shots. You saw the best of the best just this past weekend. Uh, let's talk about those guys because we we kind of have a forecast for each one right now. So I think we should run through that list of guys yeah. that you watched. Give your impression of them, and then we can talk about where things stand with USC. Sure. Okay, we'll begin with Flo. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, again, he, he he's in that Brew McCoy category where he's a guy that you just know is going to be a stud at the next level. There's, there's no doubt. There's no projection required. He's ready right now to be an impact college player. Um, I, I, I was watching, they, they do these, uh, I don't even know what you call the drill, but they have a running back or a receiver on one side and a linebacker or DB on the other side, and they, they converge in the middle, and it's about the, the offensive guy getting past the defensive guy. Well, I'm watching Flo, and he, he calls out a guy on the other side. He goes, number nine, you're up, you're up. And he skips the line because he wants this matchup and just levels the guy. They're not wearing pads or anything. He, he, he runs up and just shoves the guy like 14 <laughs> feet to the left. And I happen to get that, that on video and post it on Twitter. I've never had a tweet get more engagement. It's got 100,000 views already. Uh, that, that's kind of where he's at. Like he, he is one of the true stars of this class. And the top priority for USC at this point, I mean, it's very important for them to keep those top guys in California. It sends a message. They didn't do a good job last year. They kind of recovered getting Drew and just steal the transfer in. But Justin Flo is, is the top priority. He's, he's the guy that you want to keep home. And right now, it's not looking great. He's very enamored by Clemson, uh, Alabama. He likes Miami. Florida's kind of in the mix, too. He's very intrigued by those, those Southeast schools. And he ain't going to Miami. Now, he he ain't going to Miami. No, no, I know, but I'm, I'm telling you right now, he's very interested in Miami. It's like in, in his head, it's it's very much a, a strong consideration. In the end, it's probably not going to be the outcome. Uh, Clemson fans think that he's he's a lock for their class. That's kind of the way they're viewing it. And you can imagine him in that defense with Brent Venables and the guys who be, be playing behind up front there and it's a scary proposition but that's where his mind is he, he wants to go to a, to a top program that's competing for national championships right now on the east coast now where does that leave usc not out of the picture because it's not a lock that he and his family and his support staff come to the conclusion that he's ready to move to the east coast uh, everyone's mindful of what just happened with Chris Steele and Bruce McCoy. Again, a lot of circumstances go into each of those, and they're not the same case, and you know, there's, there's different factors, but that's resonating right now with West Coast recruits. And I know for a fact that people around Justin Flo do not want him to repeat that same kind of scenario. So if he's going to go east, they want to be totally confident and sure that he's ready to relocate across the country and be comfortable being that far from home. And that's not the size yet. Now, yeah. If, if, if they get to that point where where everyone is comfortable with that 
that outcome, then he's probably going to Clemson or Alabama or somewhere in the southeast. If they don't, and they say, you know what, it's it's really in your best interest to stay close to home and be close to family, then USC is still very much in it. But that's not a football decision so much. It's more of a of a personal maturity family uh, decision. So I, USC's best hope. Our best asset right now is its proximity. It's it's not it's not really a football cell. Now, if you ask Flo, what does USC have to do? He'll tell you, I want to see them bounce back in the fall. I want to see them win. He doesn't want to go to a program in transition or in turmoil. That's that's why he's looking at the Clemson's and Alabamas in the world. He, he wants USC to be the USC of old, and I think that they would ha- they would still have to do that in any scenario for him to go there. They have a repeat of last year. There's no way he's not, he's getting on board with that. Right. So, hey, they have to transform and get back on on top, and then hope that as he and his family talk through this, they decide the same home is is the best scenario for him. Yeah, I get it. I I believe that USC actually is still in a good position for him because they are the biggest program in his backyard. And they were the front runner for a long time with him. And I, I think like others that you even talked about, like a Brew McCoy, he envisioned himself going to USC for a long time. And so he might not be thinking that way right now, but it's not like it's all forgotten and and it doesn't matter anymore. I, I think that they have to prove something to him, and I would expect that they would. And I don't know that it would take, like we talked about, a, a great season to do it, um, if we're talking like USC's typical standard of greatness. I think that a rebound would probably uh, accomplish it. Now, they're in a dangerous spot because he's such a big recruit that everybody's on him, and they're going to we're gonna stay on him. They've been on him for a while, and they're going to remain on him. And USC right now doesn't have a lot to sell. I mean, they they need they need to play. They kind of need the season to begin now with him, uh, for him. Uh, the offseason is just not going to show him anything or or no, convi- they're, convince they're, him of anything. No, there's nothing they can pitch to him right now that would make a difference. Yeah. But uh, I'm also telling you, it's not just a matter of them winning. It's not, okay... They're back. I'm good. I'm in. That's not where his mindset is right now. He, he is not thinking USC right now. He is enamored by by Clemson and Alabama and and Florida and Miami and and the thought of playing on the, the Southeast. Yeah, that's where his mindset right now. Yeah, yeah. So, that's what I was alluding to. That it's dangerous for USC that they basically have gotten several months here where they're not on his radar and right. he, he's thinking about other people. You know, and and. You think about it so much that it it really kind of I think the seeds planted in your heart, and then you talk yourself into I, I do want to be at this school, this other school, uh, but I do think also that USC has always been in his heart, and therefore when they get to the season, if they are good, then it will remind him very quickly like okay, well I, I did want to go there originally. And I didn't feel good about going there the last few months, but I can see now that, you know, they, they figured something out. And so I, I feel like my point is USC can catch up very quickly. 
uh, even though I feel like they're actually behind now. Even though they had a big lead, now they've fallen well behind. They can also catch up. They can make up that ground uh, in the fall. Right now, unfortunately, they can't really do anything to win him over. They need to get back into the year and to prove it uh, on the field. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that point entirely. I would just categorize it a little differently. I think they're they're well behind at this point, and they need a major rally. I, I, don't, I don't think it's a quick flip of the switch. And I, I asked him about official visits. Um, would he even take one to USC? And he said, probably not. Uh, I want to see the schools further from home. And, you know, you think, okay, well, sure, but you can go there any time. But even for local kids, the official visit is a majorly impactful opportunity to pitch your program and, and sell yourself. Yeah, it's, it's it's unlikely that he would he would take one there. Yeah, that's so, not good. That 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 for sure is not good. That he wouldn't yeah. even take one. I mean, there have been other players that have done that that ended up at UNC and were always very likely to, uh, but they were going to a different version of UNC. And, and that's why I do feel like USC's going to have to be good in September. Like, that's their, that's their shot with flow right there. If they're not good in September, then they're out. Yeah, and, and he was on campus two weeks ago for the, the elite camp. He wasn't participating, but he showed up. He talked to Johnny Danson for a while. He's he's in touch with the program at all times. But, yeah. again, like you said, there's just there's, there's nothing to say or do right now. It's all about the fall to even get back in position to then try and sway him off where his mind's at right now. So who else? Who's next on our list? Let's talk about an intriguing prospect for multiple reasons. L.V. Bunkley Shelton. Yeah. I know you fell in love. <laughs> well, you know, I... I had seen him in a few seven-on-seven camps previously, and we saw him at the elite camp uh, two weeks ago. And even still, I, I don't know that I had a, an overwhelming impression uh, one way or the other. Watching him at the Rivals Five-Star Challenge on Tuesday in Atlanta, uh, to me, he was the most impressive guy on that field. And you're talking uh, most of the of the top 100 prospects in the country, uh, at least among offensive guys, no one stood out more to me. He caught everything. He was open on almost every play. Uh, he made plays in traffic, contested. He plays with a swagger and a confidence to him. But the whole time I'm watching him, I'm just kind of picturing him in this USC offense where it's all about getting in space and, and making plays in space. And I'm thinking he is a perfect match for everything they want to do offensively. Like, like he is the model receiver for their system. And yet, as we know, as, as as you've heard from your sources and as I got from talking to him, they like him as a DB, uh, perhaps more than a receiver. And and he wants to be a receiver at the next level. And I think whatever school uh, shows him love on that side of the ball and says, we believe in you as an offensive player, that's where he's going to lean. I think he, he would be a defensive back if that was all his only option and if every school is looking at him that way. But someone's going to see the potential in this guy as a receiver. And and USC really should because he fits everything they're looking for. Yeah, I, I got a pretty strong evaluation from one of my sources involved with USC recruiting, where they flat out told me he's too good a receiver for USC not to take him there. 
And right now, the staff is divided over him. There are coaches that really like him on offense. There are others that insist that he should be on defense. And there's a little bit of a tug of war. Well, the issue is, unlike with Juju, where they just were able to, to get him in the program and then go from there, uh, with LV, they, they don't have him locked up. And he wants to play offense. And right now, there's more, I guess, influence with him playing defense. And while that might be confusing to some people, I guess I'll try to make sense of it. You look at what they usually can bring in on offense at wide receiver, uh, even in a downtime, they can get the best of the best on the West, and which are typically some of the best that are you know in the country. And therefore, while he might be part of a larger pool of those guys, they don't have to have him at wide receiver. Whereas at defensive back, especially with where they're at right now and, and the depth that they have, he's probably a lot more valuable to them in the in the secondary than he is as a receiver. And that's generally speaking with what they have on their roster and what they look to have in the in the coming years. I mean, they just brought in a handful of top shelf receivers again in twenty nineteen. Yeah. And, and I'm with you and I again I got slack on the board for saying that Jalen McMillan playing the Washington wasn't a, a, a huge deal for USC purposes because they are so stuck at receiver and they don't need a ton of guys through this class. I didn't view LV as a priority target really and, and until this week until I saw him play I just watched him all I can think is how he would operate in this offense and the, the comparison I made to you he, he reminded me so much of Puka Nakua the four star commit they lost last year who went to Washington who was just uh just that guy who always seemed to be open and caught everything. Right. And uh, LV has a bit of a, of a freelancing instinct to him, which I think works in this offense where he's just going to find a way to get open. Uh, it's Maybe it's not always conventional, but I, I think he just has some natural instinct there of, of how to shake DBs and get open. And it, it was, it was just really impressive watching him again. And this is with most of the top prospects in the country he stood out the entire day so yeah i'm I, i'm totally on board now and saying he's a guy you want to keep home and uh you know we should mention he's, he's from cardina sarah high school he, he plays both ways he plays both ways in high school never comes off the field for them so he, he can certainly be a db at the next level he's, he's been playing you know cornerback for uh in high school it's not like gonna be a, a change for him but I really think that receiver is his natural position and, and the area he's going to shine the most. Well, here's one more wrinkle to the equation because I try to project how many USC will take at every position. Right. And I'm still in the process of doing that. In fact, I'm going to have a piece coming out very soon where I basically break down every position, kind of who's still on the board uh, and, and how many they need at every spot. And... Right now, kind of off the top, I feel like they probably only need... I mean, they only need probably one guy. I know they already have Joshua Jackson. They could bring in two, and that's fine. But I think any more than that, 
you're likely shortchanging another position of me. Yeah. No, for sure. Because they just brought in a big class of receivers, and they, they got them on the roster. They're not expected to lose very many. Right now, you have Michael Pittman as a senior, and then maybe Tyler Vaughn goes well as a redshirt junior. I know Valis, you know, wasn't a transfer, now he's not, but that could still happen in a year from now. Uh, he's another redshirt junior. But, what, three at the most, then, that you'd be losing? I mean, not very many. And and you don't need to, to replace the three with the three because they have a lot on that roster right now. Therefore, I don't think that they probably should take more than two. Uh, but what the wrinkle is, I was told that they do want more than that, that they actually plan to bring in more than two guys. And And while I don't maybe agree with that, if that is what they intend to do, then I think then it becomes uh, <laughs> malpractice if you don't bring in L.B. Bunkley Shelton. Just bring him in. Just get him in. Get him on your team and then go from there. And wh- whether he ends up at receiver or defensive back, you- you'll probably win either way. But if you want to bring in more than two receivers, then he should be a top priority. Make him one of them. Yeah, so a couple points. The only way that I think bringing in more than two receivers makes sense is that that is the only position where you're in play for four four star guys or top prospects, and the rest of your class is going to be more reaches than in that case. I get it. Otherwise, we talked about the limitations and numbers. They have needs elsewhere. I, I I definitely would not go for more than two. But with LV, it's not even it's not even a reach at all. He, he's a top 100 guy in, in the country. Like that's where Rivals has him ranked right now. So if you're only taking two, he still makes sense as one of those two. And this is a guy back in the fall in, in February, the seven on seven season heated up. I would talk to a lot, and, and he he was waiting on that USC offer and really wanting it. Like every time I saw him, I'm like we would talk about it, and he was just waiting for USC to make the move. So I know that the interest there is real. I talked to him this past week, and I. I I asked him off the record. Even are, are they actually? Are they definitely in play? And he, he goes, "Yeah, yeah, they're they're a real options." So they are in play for him, and he's a guy that fits what they're they're looking to do so well. I have him near the top of my of my list now. You know, behind Flo and a couple other guys, guys that would make an ideal class for them. I put him right in there. Yeah. Well, the the word I was given was that if they tell him that he can play offense or at least have the opportunity to play it, they can get him. But if they don't do that, then they're just probably not going to get him. And I think that would be a shame. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I asked him what the communication's been like with USC, and he he goes, it's kind of conflicted. I, I hear from, from all the coaches, and, and some tell me, oh, you're going to be a great DB for us, and some say you're going to be a great receiver for us. So it, it's not like they aren't recruiting him as that. It's just that... There's there's a real confliction in terms of, of where they want him, and and both sides of the staff are are recruiting him in their own way. Right, and no one likes the confliction. All right, man. How about Bryce Young? What do you think? So, our loyal message board subscriber community <laughs> is uh, is supremely interested in, in why he's not a five star relative to a four star. 
And I don't think that's going to change. The impression I get is that that's kind of where he's going to be rated, is where he is. And that doesn't mean he's not going to be a great quarterback the next level. I've, I'm as high on Bryce Young as anybody. I, I thought he was the best player, best quarterback I saw last fall. What I like about him is he plays with a palpable confidence and swagger and, and no stage is too big. And, and granted, you know, the, the transition to the college level is, is, a, is a different beast and that's yet to happen. But he's out there at the rivals camp with Ohio State commits, Oklahoma, um, Notre Dame, uh, you know, the other top QBs in the country. And it, it doesn't show any pressure. It doesn't seem like the stage affects him. He went out on a great day Tuesday. He's just, he's just very smooth is, is the best word for him. He's just at all times steady and smooth and a uh, great distributor of the ball, very capable of making plays downfield, very mobile. Uh, he, he brings a lot of attributes that you really like to the table. Yeah. I don't think he'll become a five-star either. I thought it would have already happened by now or should have happened by now. At the end of the day, it's totally irrelevant. It really is. It has no bearing on how he'll perform for USC. I think what's more important with him is that they keep him. That I, I feel like he's a building block for whoever the head coach is moving forward. And it's not 100% that he'll end up at USC, but it's very likely. Uh, he's the kind of commit that I feel like could even withstand a coaching change, uh, depending on what change was made or you know, to whom uh, the job went to. I mean, he already has in a way twice. He, he was very close to T. Martin and was committed, you know, back when T. Martin was the OC. He got very excited about Kingsbury, and now he's super close to Graham Harrell. He, yeah, I mean, he, likes, he loves USC. It, right, it, exactly. It's way beyond T. Martin or Kingsbury or even Harrell, although I think he'd be very int- I'd be very interested to see how he would operate in Harrell's offense. Because while Harold might say that I don't want that kind of action from a quarterback, you know, with, on their feet, I just think that there's an element to the air raid that would be really intriguing, um, you know, with 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 a guy uh, with you know with Bryce's skill set. And I think that Jay Key doesn't really have it, and therefore they're going to maybe downplay it. But if Bryce were the quarterback, then it would it would be. Uh, it would be written in there a little bit differently. Yeah, I think people also though get just go overboard on the on the dual threat guys and and just think they're going to be running all the time. If you if you look at his stats from other day last season, he was predominantly a, a passer. He, he didn't do a ton on the ground. He's capable, but he's a really good passing quarterback. He can do a lot with his arm too. That's why they love him, and that's why they want him most. Because of the way he plays in the pocket, I just meant more uh, his ability to move. I I think uh, would be would be dynamic in the air raid, and and right now they don't really have that. Sure, sure. You know, going back to the point you made, it's it's not. He has a great connection with Graham Harrell. He had a great connection with T. Martin. He was intrigued by Kingsbury. it really is a USC connection for him. He, that's where he wants to go. I think it would take a lot for him not to go there. It, it, I think it would take an entire, a total disaster this fall. And well, and it would it would be chaos. hiring the wrong coach. 
that, that's what it would take. I mean, beyond right. having a bad year, it would be if they hired someone who didn't like him. Right, and and uh, you you can you know decide how much weight you want to put into to to comments and words, but he's been as resolute as anyone about his commitment. And Alabama's come at him hard. And every time I talk to him, he goes, "I'm I'm respectful to all coaches. I just tell him that I'm I'm happily committed and I'm going to be a Trojan." And his quote to me uh, last month was, "There's nothing to worry about here. I'm going to USC." And again, we've we've certainly heard things from guys, and and it ends up differently. But it's it's about how you it's about the weight you put in those words. And my impression talking to him is that that's truly how he feels. That he does not want to even entertain other options at this point. He knows where he wants to go. That's where he's going. So it would take a, a, a total change of circumstances for that to, to not be the outcome. Yeah. And I think that's what's more important than that five star. <laughs> that you just keep Bryce Young. That, that's your number one priority of the fall in terms of recruiting. All right, now there are another uh, few prospects I think we should talk about briefly who USC is pursuing and who they might have gained some ground in. Uh, let's talk about defensive back Jacoby Covington, someone who released a top eight in the spring that did not include USC. Yeah. And we were a little bit surprised because we do know that they were recruiting him, and more importantly, he really likes USC. And he did not include them. Well, you could throw that list away because USC is very much in there. I would say that they are a strong contender for him. Uh, what's the word that you got from from Covington out at, at, in Atlanta? Yeah, I, I, I asked. Well, he told me the communication has, has really picked up and that his viewpoint of USC has totally changed. And I said, so this means they're officially back in play? He goes, yes. Definitely. Uh, this is a guy who last fall, before he had a USC offer, initiated his own unofficial visit out to see a game in the Coliseum. Uh, he got offered soon thereafter, but it wasn't even a reactionary thing. It was it was for him. I'm really interested in this program. I want to check it out. He then gets offered, and where things went uh, went awry for him was was really to be uncertainty about the staff through the off season. And he even told me point blank, I, I thought that things were going to happen that it didn't happen. But, you know, I think he just kind of turned his mind off of USC at a certain point and, and wasn't looking at them seriously. And it took a really concerted effort over the last couple of months for them to change his mind and convince him that there's some stability and at least potential stability there. And now that original interest he had is coming back to the surface and he, he's feeling more at ease and more uh, placated about the state of affairs within the program and so they're they're kind of right back where they were uh last fall where he was really interested even before he had his offer yeah and i mean they're very interested in him and uh maybe the turnover in staff it wasn't totally clear and they had to get their bearings and they do have a new recruiting coordinator as well but uh from what i understand he is one of the top targets on their board and, uh, and I think it's mutual. And I, I feel like that's just a relationship that they have to kind of keep building because he is out of state and it is somewhat new for, for both sides. But uh, I think you have to feel good about where they're at right now. And 
where they've come from. I think they really, I can turn this recruitment around and they're in a good position for a player who, I don't know if he's a cornerback or a safety, but another guy that you just want to get in your room and go from there because the base is so good. Yes, so uh, Jacoby plays for Saguaro High School in Scottsdale, and he's a little overshadowed by the other cornerback on that team, Keely Ringo, who's uh, in the conversation for you know top prospect in the country, a guy who ran a a four. Uh, what, 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 he ran a four three. Yeah, four three five. Yeah. Uh, so he plays alongside him, and, and everyone's looking at Ringo. So you know. He kind of plays in his shadow, but a really athletic, uh, great build guy. And if you if you go onto our site and watch the clips from the uh, the wide receiver DB drills and watch watch Covington's reps, you, you'll kind of see you know how he stands out. Now they are probably only taking two or three defensive backs in this class, so they have to be very selective. But he's definitely a guy that they see in that mix and and really they're not in play for for any other obvious four or five star or many other obvious four or five star guys it's kind of Covington and Darian Green Warren from Narbonne uh, they just made the top five list for Aiden Hector out of Washington but as with every other position they don't have a ton of targets so they have a guy who's well rated who is very projectable to the next level and who was interested in them and that's he's going to be a priority target the rest of this, of this recruiting cycle yeah Elias Ricks is still out there I wouldn't I wouldn't rule that out just take my word for it to not rule it out but uh, it, it won't be easy uh, with Covington I've been told that there's some on the staff that think he's a better cornerback than Kelly Ringo and now both yeah. of those guys are, are big, and, and they could probably end up playing corner or safety. It's still early, but uh, I know that some really like the way that Covington plays cornerback, particularly, and uh, and believe that, that he'll be the better corner of the two. Yeah, no, I, I heard back in the spring, I, I went out to the Arizona High School Showcase back in May, and, and uh, USC had a couple coaches out there watching those guys. Uh, I heard from sources though, that there was definite division there was a huge camp that thought they should go all in on Ringo and yet it never really felt like he had any legitimate USC interest right. it was always a long shot yeah. and he confirmed to me this week that, that they've been out of the picture now for a couple months and he put his top six list out yesterday and USC was not on it uh, but there were, there were others within the program who thought all along they should be prioritizing Covington over Ringo and it, it's kind of happened organically now I guess because they realized that, that that was yeah. their only play among those two guys, but uh, there was there was definitely people in the program months ago who thought this is the guy we should be pursuing. Yeah, all right. Uh, Bijan Robinson, twenty twenty running back. Yeah, he he's someone that you've been tracking pretty closely for a while. Did you learn anything new while out there in Atlanta? So he just went on three official visits to his top three schools: Ohio State, USC, and then Texas, and. Then he went straight to Atlanta for the five-star challenge. The impression I got is that he he truly doesn't know where he's at right now, and he needs to sit down with his family and, and reflect on those bit visits and, and really 
put things in order and uh, compare, you know, the pros and cons of each school. I, I don't think that he has a decision in his mind, and because of that, I think USC is still very much in play. They certainly made as strong a pitch as they could. Um, we've talked before on here that he's, you know, he grew up idolizing Reggie Bush, so they made sure to put him in the five jersey and let him walk around campus wearing wearing the five. They brought out the Heisman trophies. They had the whole team around them on the field. It was a really impressionable, strong official visit, and I think they've done everything they can. But you're talking about Ohio State, which is just killing it in this recruiting class, and which has uh, produced results in the field more recently than USC has. That's going to be that's going to be a tough challenger. And then Texas is is also making really strong impressions with with the West Coast guys the last couple cycles, so it's uh, I think it's it's truly a three horse race. I think it could be any of those three outcomes. I definitely think USC is still in play, um, but I, I do think Ohio State's probably the slight favorite at this point. Yeah, well, if you ask three different people, you'll probably get three different answers. I mean, I I didn't have a source tell me that they thought Texas. Was out in front. I know that you've heard Ohio State. Um, I'm sure other people have heard USC. Now, from what I understand, USC is in it more than you might think. Uh, you know, from a national perspective, it, people that are looking at this prospect that think like he wouldn't go there. He definitely would go there. It's definitely under consideration. And I think if USC were in a a better spot or a more if he had like maybe a more defined role in this offense right now he, that he knew that he could have then they might be the the front runner but I think there's still a lot to learn about USC's running game because you and I are wondering ourselves how it's going to look and I mean it's not it, it goes beyond what they can pitch and, and what they tell him it's what they actually do I'm convinced that they're going to throw the ball this year more than they ever have before. And I don't know how they're going to work those running backs, uh, whether it'll be by committee or they'll actually land on a, a feature back. Uh, Bijan is a guy that would would want that role. And that's why I, you know, I theorize that if you bring him in, even though you probably could use another running back, you're probably only going to bring him in. Uh, that might even be part of the selling point. That it, if they're going to if they're going to get him, they have to commit to him only in this class. Which I don't think would be the worst move because it is a smaller class, and uh, they don't figure to lose a running back uh, off the off the current roster. So I think they could just bring in one, even though I would personally want to bring in two for depth because of the nature of that position with injuries and transfers. Uh, but but right now, I think that um, they're, they're right there in it, like you said. Um, I wouldn't call them a leader, but I don't think that they're far behind anyone. Um, I do think that it's another one in which um, he'll be probably watching very closely what the offense looks like in the fall before he makes a decision about USC. Well, just knowing Dijon from the times I've talked to him, I, I doubt that he would be influenced by another back in the class. He's a, he's a really confident guy. I don't think he'd be intimidated by that at all. I do think the point you made, though, about the uncertainty about the running back's role in this offense is a real thing. And I'm sure that Ohio State and Texas and others are making that point to him. 
they're pointing to the air raid and going, is this what you want to be in? You may not be a featured, you know, part of that system. Yeah. Um, I, I personally, I think if they got Pichon Robinson, they would find a way to make him a future part. This guy is a future stud. He uh, he's a four star now, but he's he's probably going to get the bump to a five star. And he he was one of the true standouts at the rivals camp. Uh, I think it's wide open in his recruitment still. And I think if they got him, they would certainly find a way to maximize him. But I wouldn't be surprised if that's being used against him right now. Okay, what about defensive back Gary and Green Warren? Uh, I know that's someone that you uh, you were closely monitoring down there in Atlanta, and uh, he's re- he's going to play here for USC. What, what's your takeaway from with him? Well, they they come out and told him that he's a top cornerback on that board. Like that, that's their pitch to him: is that you are the guy we want. We, we are prioritizing you in this class, and maybe that's that's by default based on who they're not in play for, but. That's that's what they're selling to him, and, and they are very much an option. He, so he was at Monterey Day previously. He's at Norbon now. He was committed to Oklahoma for a while. He's from Oklahoma. Uh, he committed from them back in the spring, and put USC in his recent top five list. Uh, I definitely get the sense that that they're very much uh, a contender for him, and I, I don't even know that he would need to wait and see how they do in the fall. I think that. We're probably going to see a decision from him coming sooner than later. It sounded like he performed really well as well. You, you mentioned that they, you know Bryce wouldn't even really throw at him, and uh, that he was being avoided a lot of the time. Yeah, not, not even not even Bryce, just just all the quarterback quarterback quarterbacks. Uh, he was uh, he was not targeted much in the seven on seven portion of the rivals camp, and a couple times he was, he came through with pass breakups. Now, uh, you know, people on our board have asked about his speed and, and whatnot. I, I didn't get a true sense for that because, you know, seven on seven is, is a little different beast. And um, every matchup I saw him in, he was he was right there with his receiver and was was locking it down. And the only times that he got beat were uh, guys going across the field where it was really you know passing off that that coverage to somebody else and. Poor communication between the other defensive backs. I, I didn't see him in, in a true one-on-one matchup get exposed very much at all. Yeah. All right. Well, that is someone to keep an eye on because uh, if I'm projecting right now, I think that he ends up at USC. I think I think they're going to get him. It's not it's not a junk deal or anything, but they're in a great spot with him, and uh, that's just the word I've been getting that. Uh, USC believes that they're going to get him. Yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I, I, I definitely get that vibe too. That they they are very much a real option for him. All right. Well, I know that there are you know still a few other targets out there. Uh, anybody that you want to uh, cover right now? Yeah, let's go back to to, to Drake Metcalf and, and the offensive line. You know, we talked about them taking the three uh, commits over the last two weeks, all offensive tackles. Uh, they are not slowing down at all in their pursuit of linemen. They still very much want Drake Metcalf, the four-star uh, prospect from St. John Bosco, and Miles Burrow, the four-star prospect from Modern Day. And it's it's likely they're going to have both of them on campus after this dead period ends in, in the July for another sales pitch. I've talked on the message board and, and probably on here that I, I really thought and still probably think that Metcalf's going to Stanford but I got a much different vibe from him this week 
uh, in the sense that USC is still very much in it. It's not decided. Uh, after he went on a Stanford visit back in the spring, I thought, this is a done deal. He's enamored by the education there. Uh, he wants to be a lawyer. He's, he's just totally sold on, on, on that course of, of uh, that, that pursuit for him. And then talking to him this week, he, I, I can tell you for a fact, he's truly conflicted. He's he's going back and forth on his options. He he comes from a family with strong USC ties. His grandmother's been a season ticket holder for four decades. Uh, he grew up a USC fan. He loves Tim Drevno. It's not even a football equation at this point. There's nothing that USC needs to to show or prove to him football-wise. He's all in on the program and the coaching. It's going to be an educational decision for him and him feeling that he's making the best choice for his long-term future. And I can tell you that USC is still very much in play there. This is a guy who wanted to have his decision made uh, by the end of the summer. It's probably not going to happen. It's probably going to... Uh, bleeding to the fall because he, he, he truly does not know where know yet where he stands on that well the longer the better for USC sure I initially when you broke that down for me uh, over the phone we talked about him and I was skeptical because it's Stanford and I feel like if, if we're talking academics I'm very proud of USC. I came from there myself, but it's not Stanford. And now there are certain programs that are, you know, superior. But as a whole, it, it, you don't find a lot of kids that have that offer and get into the school that ultimately decline it. And therefore, I would still think that Stanford is the leader here. Uh, that's just on, on academics. And then we're talking offensive linemen. That's a, another notch you know, in their belt. However, if he's not ready to make a decision now, then he's actually torn. And, yeah, and He's visited both places. Like, yeah. If, if, he, could go to, he could come to Stanford right now. I talked to him the week after his Stanford visit back in May, and I walked out of there going, this is 100%. That's where he's going. I, I thought USC was entirely out of the picture. Yeah. And when I talked to him this week in Atlanta, I even, I even told him that. I said, when I talked to you a month and a half ago, I thought it was a done deal. And and we talked you know, off the record for 15 minutes about it, and I, I, I can tell you he's still going back and forth, and there's – I'm not going to call it family pressure because his family is definitely supporting whatever he wants to do, but there's there's definitely a lot of hope that that USC is still in play there among those in his family who grew up following this program, who right. are alums of, of this program. That's a real factor. Uh, I think ultimately he's going to make it based on education. That's why I still skew towards Stanford, but it's definitely not uh, a closed book yet. No, yeah, I think if they can, if USC can uh, can keep him from committing through the summer, then they have a good chance of actually landing him. Because, I mean, obviously they need him, and he would not be deterred by the the current wave of commits that they yeah, just landed. I, I, I asked him about that, and, and, and he goes, "Well, you know, those guys were all tackles." Uh, we initially thought that they were looking at him as a guard. He tells me now that they want him as a center. And, in fact, most of the schools on this list want him as a center. So even though he's a left tackle for for, for Bosco, he started working on the snapping. He, he worked as a center at the Rivals camp. He's all he, he's totally fine with that being his future position. So that's not a deterrent. Um, 
But the interesting thing is that they want both him and Miles Moreau from our data centers. Well, because they're both interior linemen. If somehow they got both of them, though, I think that there's definitely some malleability and some versatility that they can utilize with those guys. Right, yeah. You you don't have to get worried about where they're they're projecting right now. I mean, if he's playing tackle right now, not that he'll play for USC, but it just goes to show that he can do a lot of things for them. You just want him in your room. This is definitely an, an intangible thing, uh, but I'm telling you, wherever that guy goes, he's going to be a team captain at some point. He has a presence to him. He, he is a, a commanding presence. He is just—he's the guy you want in your program. And it, it's, it's hard for me to, to kind of convey what I'm trying to convey with, with it. But when you talk to this guy, he's just impressive. And even beyond his physical metrics and, and his film, he would be a great asset if they give him in this class. Yeah, well, you can never have too many drakes. <laughs> right. It's working out well so far. Yeah. Who's next? Uh, who's next? Let's talk to Ty Jordan really quickly. Okay. Um, we talked about Bijan Robinson. Ty Jordan is the other running back they're really in play for and I don't want to say the only one but in terms of guys that they're pursuing aggressively it's really Bijan and Ty Jordan Ty Jordan is from Mesquite, Texas uh, he's a three star guy but he he's really kind of fits what they're looking for in terms of um, shifty speedy elusive guys who can work out of the backfield or in the slot uh, Mike Jinks has made a very strong impression on him in the recruiting process and I, I can tell you definitively that a month and a half ago, he was coming to USC. That was his mindset. <laughs> can never be definitive with recruiting, Ryan. Well, definitive in the context of his mindset a month and a half ago. Yeah. I, I, I'm definitive about that. I'm not sure if he was definitive. But a month and a half ago, USC was the clear favorite. Uh, I think that he was even close to maybe making it official and making a decision. And then he went on an official visit to Tennessee and was wowed and I, I talked to him I, I, I don't know what specifically about that visit swayed him so much but he came out of that truly torn in a way that he didn't expect and then he went on his USC official visit uh, last weekend and uh, it, it went very well his, his, his family enjoyed it he's totally comfortable with the prospect of moving to LA and relocating halfway across the country but he's definitely not in the same headspace he was a month and a half ago. He's, he's really torn. He really likes Tennessee. And there's a few other programs still in the mix, Texas and, and some others. But I, I think that those two are, are the clear uh, leaders and contenders at this point. And he's going back and forth now. I, I even asked him, I said, is it tougher than you expected at this decision? And he goes, yeah, but that's, that's recruiting. It's, it's never easy. Um, it seemed easy a month and a half ago, which it's not now. And if they don't get Bijan Robinson and they don't get Ty Jordan, I'm not sure where they go at this point. They've seen a lot of their other top running back targets come in elsewhere right. uh, or, or narrow their list down and, and, and cut USC out of the picture. They'd be reaching for some developmental three-star guys at that point who that they, they aren't pursuing aggressively right now. They, they have to start, you know, kind of shift their focus. So the They've really got to hope that they win one of these two battles here with either Bijan Robinson or Ty Jordan. I think a month and a half ago, they were probably hoping to get both of them. And at this point, 
you just gotta hope they get one because otherwise they're starting over at that position. Yeah, well, that, that's why I'm not expecting them to actually bring in two running backs. And while you just count it, I think it, and they might, the kids aren't going to say it, but I think it is a real thing in terms of who's going where. And I'm not going with him. And so I, I think USC would be happy to just have one of, of the two if they can get one of the two. Because right now they're not promised anything. But I really don't think they're going to get both of these kids. Uh, not now. I, I definitely agree with you at this point. I, I think I, I probably would have felt that for only a month and a half ago, too. Um, I think there's a legitimate reason to worry here that they might not get either. Uh, that's also a very real scenario. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, that can and, happen. And then, uh, again, they're truly starting over and running back recruiting this class because there's not anyone else that they're pursuing aggressively that's still in play. They've, they've seen a handful of other targets in the last month commit elsewhere or narrow their list and, and cut USC out. So they'd be starting from scratch, basically. Right. And then that's where it's tricky with the offense that they're running. I think it, it's probably turning some kids off. Just even hearing air raid. In fact, I wonder why if, I mean, we, we kind of, we've heard from players, uh, that, oh, Graham Harold doesn't call it the air raid. I mean, that's just what it's called. Like, that's what the media would, would label it or define it as. And that's what, um, that's where it comes, that's where his offense comes from from Mike Leach, which is the air raid, obviously. But I, I wonder if part of that is recruiting and, and them not wanting to put that label on it and turn kids away from what they're doing because they are going to run the ball. And I know Clay kept making that point throughout spring practice that they're not neglecting that. Um, and, I mean, it's football, so you're going to do everything. You're going to do, at some point, you're going to be running the ball, and you have to run the ball, I think, to win games as well. But I don't think they're going to run as much as they used to. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point you make about um, branding and, and, and the way they sell it and recruiting. When I talk to wide receivers, I uh, say, what's your impression of the uh, new offense? You go, oh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, it's also going to be throwing the ball all, all over the field. Right. It's pass heavy. You talk to running backs, your offensive linemen, and, and you get an entirely different vibe. Yeah. In fact, I, I, I can't recall who it was now, but looks like I talked to a guy who said, oh, yeah, uh, Errol used to run the air raid offense, but it's different now. And that was the way it was pitched <laughs> Right. So it, it, it is very much... Uh, Package differently to different guys. With, with Ty Jordan, though, I, I think he's a guy that would fit in perfectly in that and, and would not be turned off um, by it at all. He, he's a very capable pass catcher. He's a guy that could split out to the slot uh, very easily. I think they use him in a variety of ways. I, I think it, it's more so a factor with B. John Robinson, who's more of a traditional yeah. uh, every now and back, and also a very capable pass catcher, but also a guy who's going to want the one hand off some one punches and yeah, and, and more traditional running back ways. Yeah, I mean they really. I, I think, and I'm sure they're trying, but they got to get Jordan's commitment first and go from there. Yeah, it, it's just uh, it's kind of the climate of where things are at in this class that, that there's just there's no sure things, and even someone who I thought was a sure thing now now isn't. Um, there's not one guy uncommitted at this point that I can say is definitely coming to USC. That's crazy. It's it, it's they're all battles and they're all they're all wide open. Let's let's hit one more guy here. Another guy I saw in Atlanta, uh, 
Mookie Cooper, four-star athlete of St. Louis, took his official visit to USC last week. is uh, is very high on on them. Is also very hard to read. He's, he's elusive on the field and uh, elusive in his interview. I, I tried to pin him down and get a sense for things, and he said, "Well, I put out my top five recently, but I'm probably down to two." I said, "Okay." I mean, like in your head, do you do you know what where you're probably leaning? He goes, "Yeah, no." I'm like, okay. I said, "Do you have any more any more visits planned?" He goes, "Well, if I told you that, you'd know the answer." And okay. so there's different there's different ways to read that. You can read that as he has no more visits planned, and that would in, indicate that his recent visit to USC was was a deal closer, or he does have a visit planned elsewhere, and that school is probably the favorite. And he was not about to uh, tip me off, so you'll have to kind of make your own judgment call on that. I will say this, that we spent a lot of time with Bryce Young at the Rivals camp. Uh, they came out of the locker room together talking. They were uh, in the middle of uh, the one-on-one drills, received the DB drills. Uh, Mookie would walk over, you know, pre-snap and talk to Bryce about the route he was going to run. They seemed to have a real... Uh, Report with each other, and the same with, with LV Monthly Shelton. Uh, he and Bryce are very close. And in fact, so the, the way they run these these one-on-one drills, there's four quarterbacks throwing, um, and there's there's four receivers lined up, and it's, it's different guys going to each one. They were actively working to try and coordinate to make sure that Bryce was throwing the LV the whole time. Uh, so again, put whatever stock you want in that, but there's definitely a connection and rapport between those guys. Okay. Well, I will be sure to track down some intel on Mr. Cooper, and I'll put that on the board as soon as I'm able to. Yeah, I, I talked at length about how impressive LV was at the camp. Mookie was also really impressive. He's just a, a super smooth route runner, uh, very sure hands. He's not a big guy at all, but they're, they're very... They seem very open and interested in kind of the, the small, shifty, you know, elusive slot guys. And that's where he would fit in. Yeah. All right. Very good, Ryan. Uh, you've, yeah, you've been traveling. In fact, you're not done. Look, tell everybody where you're going next. I'm never done, yeah. <laughs> Ever. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm still in the southeast. I'm going to be flying to Dallas this weekend for the opening, where there's actually a bunch of guys who are not in Atlanta, so we'll get... Uh, a bunch of new storylines to hit over the next week and if you are subscribed or at least checking our site you saw that we had just a uh, a wave a deluge of content this last week out of Atlanta we'll do the same from Dallas we'll have a bunch more guys who are on USC's radar we'll get the latest on them and uh, I've said it before you know, you, you can sit at home and, and, and call guys and, and trade messages on Twitter or whatever, but being out there in person and, and, and talking to these guys face-to-face, you, you do really get a, a clearer impression and, and perception of, of where they're leaning. So we'll have a lot more insight to convey to you all this coming week from Dallas. Wonderful. And I'll be holding things down here in L.A., 
Always, um, always holding things down. Yeah, I have another uh, player interview. Uh, I hope hopefully coming up next week. I did one last week with JT Daniels. If you missed that, be sure to check that out. And then prior to that, I did sit down with yeah. Michael Pittman and Clancy Pendergast. Uh, I'm gonna try to get as many of those in as I can this summer. On top of uh, more team coverage, like always. It's been really fun to hear those interviews. Um, this is definitely uh, some shameless self-promotion, but I, I don't know that anyone else is is really bringing you that kind of perspective on this, on on USC football. We're going straight to the sources. And if you, I mean, don't just go back and listen to JT. If you missed the, the Clancy interview or the Michael Pitt one, Michael Pittman one especially, go back and listen to those because that had great conversations with all three guys. And uh, like you mentioned, we'll look forward to the, to the next player he has on the podcast next week. But uh, we're, we're bringing it, we're hitting it from all angles. Yeah, in fact, it'd be really cool if we had some kind of promo to offer. Oh, you know what? <laughs> we just might have something like that. If for some reason you're joining the podcast now and didn't hear the beginning, which would be hard to do, but we're, we're going to give you the whole thing again. You can join Trojansports.com right now or tomorrow or in the next week. Soon, though. Do it soon. And get a free trial through the end of August. That's two plus months of free premium access. You're getting everything that we're providing for free. And obviously our hope is that you're going to see that and go, wow, I've been missing out. I'm going to stick with this. And if you do stick with it, it gets even sweeter. If you do a monthly subscription beyond the free trial, we tack on an extra month. If you do an annual subscription beyond the free trial, we give you six more months free. That's crazy. Like you mentioned, it almost seems like too much, right? But, hey, it's it's out there. We've uh, committed to it. Take advantage of it. Free 99? Are you out of your mind? (laughs) Um, Yeah, we're very proud of the product we're putting out. We just want you all to see it and and give it a chance because we're we're pretty confident that once you do, you're going to agree with us. But thank you for listening to another version of Trojan Talk. It was was fun kind of going deep on recruiting this time. Um, We'll definitely hit recruiting hard more in the coming months as well. And Adam will will bring you some more insights into the program with his player interviews and everything else. And we're not that far off from fall camp. I know. Yeah, really. Just about a month and a, a week away. Can't wait. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Take care.